Hello and welcome to Big Problems, Small Solutions. This week I'm joined by a special guest, Antonio Peña from EPIC, which is a group based in Barcelona. They're working on exascale computing and programming for parallelization. Hi, Antonio. Hello. So, a um, little anecdote. Uh, when my father, who's an intelligent man, but he's not science literate, uh, he had a listen to one of my podcasts and he tells me uh, he got seven minutes in before his head explodes. Um, I'm hoping that that won't be the case here, but uh, I'm not quite uh, up to date on my exascale computing. So I was wondering if you could maybe give us the overall view of it for how your project works in it. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll try to use plain words as much as I can. Uh, and if I go too much technical, please let me know. So I will start with uh, supercomputing. Uh, supercomputing is usually, uh, supercomputers are usually an aggregation of uh, compute nodes. Its compute node is a much more expensive and evolved uh, version of a regular compute desktop computer. So mm -hmm. they are all connected through a very high performance network and all of the compute nodes uh, collaborate usually uh, to solve uh, big problems, problems that cannot be solved in, in reasonable times in desktop computers. Yeah. So uh, this is a supercomputer and the exascale computing is moving the performance of these supercomputers uh, to the next uh, scale. We call it exascale because it, it follows the, the decimal uh, scale, right? So yeah. the uh, next step, the next evolution from exactly where scale to exascale. Exactly. Great. So um, to do that, uh, every time that we are making comp supercomputers more and more powerful, we are increasing their complexity as well. We, mm -hmm. we uh, the the biggest problem that we have is their energy consumption. So we are tr every time we're including like different components like GPU accelerators or heterogeneous memory systems, different components to the supercomputer so that they are more efficient. At the same time, this is what makes this life uh, harder for uh, application developers. So applications that run on these supercomputers are uh, vastly dominated by simulators actually. Uh, mm -hmm. Simulators in the whole range, uh, Earth, uh, uh, Earth uh, simulations, uh, climate, uh, astrophysics, uh, protein folding, uh, cancer, drugs, that kind of stuff. So those yeah. are the the applications that really need the, this supercomputing power. And uh, usually the ones that develop uh, these applications to run on supercomputers don't really have the background of uh, computer scientists. Don't they should not be computer scientists because they should actually have the knowledge of their domain. And they should be something, something in the middle. And the, this they, is- They should be able to use supercomputers and exascale computers without having to be experts in exactly. the programming. That's it. So that's where EPIC, the EPIC project comes. We aim at, uh, our lemma is productivity at exascale. And with productivity, we mean programming productivity. So what we try is to abstract uh, as possible all the specifics of the supercomputer underneath from the uh, programming models, programming languages that uh, application developers will be using. This is our main focus. Okay. So uh, one of the big or the more popular ones that I know of is folding at home. 
uh, Folding at Home was a sort of um, cloud-based mm-hmm. uh, supercomputer platform that was all about you know figuring out how proteins fold so that we go gained a better understanding of diseases like Alzheimer's. Um, that was all run on other people's computers, but when you talk about exascale, um, you're using essentially a a centralized bunch of compute nodes. Yes, exactly. That's the main difference in uh, supercomputing. Uh, the interconnection about uh, among all the different compute nodes is critical. So we aim at the very fast communications. Those are critical to be able to uh, sh- uh, coordinate on the the different nodes on the problems that they are solving, and uh, that's why the algorithms that we run are slightly different from those that can be run uh, distributed. In the case of uh, folding at home, uh, you can uh, basically uh, download a, a bunch of data to the computer, and that computer can uh, work on it pretty much independently from others. Then it can commit the results to the centralized database. But in uh, the problems, the kind of problems that we solve in supercomputers, uh, the different uh, compute nodes, even though they are kind of uh, isolated from each other uh, because they are separate computers, they they really need to be in contact with each other through the solving of the problem and on the chunk of the problem that they are solving. They need to exchange data super fast uh, mm-hmm. many times. So physical connections only and not relying on yes. uh, internet or other connections Exactly. Like that. This is not ethernet. These are very specialized uh, high-performance uh, networks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for applications like uh, the earth sciences, uh, you can essentially use these for predicting climate change or things like, or um, analyzing data from like the past climate. Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, any, so we, what we do is developing a generic framework, generic enough for the different uh, supercomputing applications. So EPIC would not be specialized for one or the other kind, but uh, sure. absolutely in uh, in supercomputing you can uh, you can do uh, both of the of the approaches. Yeah. Right. So EPIC essentially is trying to make um, a unified language for these kinds of applications. We not exactly a language. What we provide is a set of uh, what we call a programming uh, ecosystem, uh, so that um, so guidelines for how the programming and and, and supporting software. Uh, we work on uh, runtime systems that uh, take so people uh, use uh, code on regular C, Fortran, uh, C uh, They can annotate with a set of directives the code, and then. That those give information to our runtime systems that uh, run on the on the on the system itself, and uh, they those are the ones that under the hood uh, make the, the like the smart uh, management of these uh, specialized resources that may be actually different in different supercomputers, so that we can abstract them away from uh, the application developers. They don't need to know what's under the the hood, what's specific from the supercomputer where this application will be run because it will be taken care of by our runtime systems, uh, compilers, uh, and tools. Right. So 
someone in their own specialized field of you know, biology or earth sciences or what have you has a piece of code, they want to run it many, many millions of times and your uh, runtime environment just allows them to go put a flag here, put a flag there. Now our system will um, pick up what needs to be parallelized and it that's, can run on a supercomputer that has that kind of framework. Yeah, that's a very good high-level uh, summary. Uh, they need to have uh, some basic uh, notions, some basic knowledge of what a supercomputer is, like it's a distributed machine and that, that kind of stuff on, on programming, but the, most of the, the details uh, are abstracted away from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So our project, uh, Evo Nano, we're looking at artificial intelligences f- and uh, hopefully getting evolutionary uh, algorithms running on parallelized computing systems. So EPIC would actually be a really good partner for, you know, if we've written our code, it's already put the flags in and it would be ready to run on an exascale system. Uh, it would take a little bit more effort, but certainly not as, by far, not as much as it would be without our developments. Yeah, it 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 would um, make it easier to transition to more parallelized computing. Yes. I think. Yeah. Very interesting. Indeed, we have just uh, uh, released our intermediate software prototypes, so we will be starting soon to um, to try to get uh, users. Uh, on on the latest stage of our uh, project to to refine stuff to get feedback to also co-design if possible. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, one of the interesting questions I find is, uh, what's been like the biggest thing that's gone wrong in your project? <laughs> well, uh, yes. So at the beginning, when we designed it, we pulled in uh, five big applications from Europe. We thought we covered all of the different possibilities and uh, like the, like on compute patterns and, uh, and uh, that kind of um, programming models, languages used by these five applications. Those would be used uh, as co-design drivers for us and also as demonstrators of the technology. At the same time, we also de- devised a set of tasks, actions that we would uh, uh, develop to make their lives easier. Mm-hmm. What we have uh, found is that we have developed those and not all of the applications can leverage those because of their specifics. Uh, so that's why we have had to, to look for alternatives. Uh, but this is kind of a part of the risk, risk management of the project. Absolutely. There's not a single project in the world that would go off without a hitch, I reckon. <laughs> all right. Well, that's a very uh, interesting look at EPIC. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to <clears throat> highlight as to how it can be used or what you're looking at in the future? Uh, I would like to take this chance to to invite anyone who thinks this is interesting or maybe their applications may leverage this to, to contact us uh, through the EPIC website. You can just go EPIC project on, on Google and you will see it. Contact us. We're looking for, for early adopters uh, for feedback. And yep. well, we will be happy to explain to anyone what we're doing in more detail. Yep, I can read you the website right now. It's epeec-project.eu is the website you can go, and there's a contact form. Thanks. All right. Thank you very much, Antonio, and I wish you all the best of luck with your project. Thank you very much. Very much appreciated.